Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Good Commander, Bad Commander. It's the new book by the author I'm chatting with right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, Rick Hancock. Rick, thanks for joining me here tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Can you tell me what you've written in Good Commander, Bad Commander? Well, it's about problems with bosses and puzzling about what God is doing with me. Hmm. I tell short stories about problems I had with bad commanders while I was in the Army. And these problems are no different than what people face every day in their civilian jobs. And I tell the stories hoping to reassure people that God is watching over you. So you try to do the right thing every time and let God handle the fallout. Hmm, Absolutely. Can you think back to where you got the idea or the inspiration to sit down, write this book, and get things started? Yeah, uh, over the years, uh, I would be like in prayer groups at church, and somebody would have a problem that was similar to something I had in the Army, and I would tell them my story. That would seem to help them. And over the years, those people responded to say, you ought to put this together in a book. It would serve a wider audience. Now, when it comes to writing and and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? In the Army, I wrote some uh, technical articles that were published in a DOD magazine, but No, this is my first time trying to do something like this. Congratulations. Uh, What was the most surprising thing about the whole process for you? The writing, the publishing, the whole thing? Oh, how badly I write. Probably (laughs) the most surprising thing. Uh, In in chapter one, I I explained that I had a disastrous first attempt. Mm. And I had to get advice and regroup and start over. About how long did it take you to get this all together? I probably was puzzling about this for, for a long time. And when you're puzzling about something, obviously you're gathering you know, information and thinking about it. Mm. Like I said in chapter one, I had a disastrous first attempt. But uh, once I got some advice and got rolling, it was really only took a couple of months working a couple hours a night after work on it. Mm. You said you were offered some advice and you took that. It helped you along the way. Uh, what advice now could you offer? I think everybody has a story to tell. Mm. And mine turned out to be sort of a memoir. I have a friend who wrote her story as a novel. But regardless of the style, my advice would be to go ahead and do it, because if it helps just one person, Mm. if it helps just one person, uh, you've done a good work. So after all the time and and the work that went into writing this book and into publishing this, what was it like when you finally got that first copy in your hands? Oh, I'm embarrassed to say this. It was apprehension. Hmm. I think. And I thought, I hope this book is really about helping people and not just me stroking my ego. Mm. Now, looking ahead, have you given any thought to publishing again, writing more books? I really thought that if I got through this experience, it would be the term one and done. But now that it's been out for a while and the feedback I've been getting, for example, from some senior army officers, that I should write a second or a follow-on book because they see it uh, in their world as somewhat useful in leadership lessons. Hmm. It's always so encouraging to get that positive feedback from your readers about your own work. So what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of becoming a published author? I think when people approach me and 
of all things, tell me this is my favorite story and this is why, and this is why it helped me. So one lady told me, God brought you and your book into my life exactly when I needed it. Rick, when you were writing Good Commander, Bad Commander, and you were thinking about the kind of people you want to reach, the kind of readers that might be reading this, uh, what kind of person was that? Christians, non-Christians? Did you have a thought of that? Yeah, ultimately, I'm sure it would be Christians. Now, in it, I explained that it was these lessons that uh, when I was in my mid-20s, that these experiences are what made me realize that a Christian life is what I needed to be looking for and go out and find. So I suppose for someone in college or in their early 20s, whether they're a Christian or not, it probably could be useful. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Good Commander, Bad Commander. It's written by Rick Hancock, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you buy books, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Rick, thanks again for coming on the show. I had a wonderful time learning about you and Good Commander, Bad Commander, and Hope we can do this sometime again. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Ashley Vandecruz. Ashley, thank you for joining me tonight. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here. You have a new book in stores right now. It's called Confident Sensuality. What are readers in store for with this? Uh, That book is super sensual. It's super sultry and it's got an element of mystery in it and some romance with a little bit of a twist. Hmm. How did you come up with the idea for it? I actually started writing this book when I was in high school. I was actually 16 Hmm. and I actually had absolutely no kind of romantic experience under my belt, like none whatsoever. So it came more so from the rom-coms that I watched and the rom-coms that I read and the books that I loved reading the most at that age was Sarah Dessen, a lot of her books. So that's where a lot of my inspiration came from. Hmm. What does your writing background look like? Is this the first time you've published? Yeah, this is my absolute first time that I've published a novel. Anything before this, it was a lot of poetry. I was able to get into some literary magazines. But my goal, obviously, was to get the novel done. Hmm. And when you got that first copy in your hands after all that time and all that hard work, what did that feel like? Oh, my God, it felt amazing. I feel (laughs) like I couldn't stop talking about it for like a month, maybe two months. Everyone that crossed paths with me knew that I was a (laughs) brand new published author. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? I just think that it's nice to be able to call something my own. It's Mm. nice to be able to say, okay, I created this. I put these words together on some pages and I was able to create a much bigger project with it. And it's a product of my imagination. So I think that that's pretty amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Have you given any thought to writing more, maybe with a sequel to this or something else? Yes, absolutely. 110% I plan (laughs) on writing a sequel to this. Absolutely. Fantastic. When you write, especially fiction, like in Confident Sensuality and and the sequel that you're working on, is writing an easy thing for you or do you get things like writer's block often? Writing is easy for me in the sense that my imagination never really sits still. Hmm. But as far as being able to put certain events in 
and order to where it's intriguing enough to keep the readers involved, you know, I think that that is my challenge. I think that what I really, all I really ever want to do is just throw all of the ideas on a page and hope <laughs> that it comes together nicely and hope is just not enough with writing a novel. Going through the publishing process for the first time can be quite the learning experience. What advice would you have for the aspiring authors who are listening to us now? My best advice is keep submitting and submitting and submitting mm. because rejection is not in any way, shape, or form any sort of judgment of your writing. I think that it's important for a lot of people to understand that certain publishers are looking for certain styles of writing. And just because, you know, you haven't achieved that style doesn't mean that you're a bad writer. It just means, you know, you have your own style and there's a publisher looking for your style. Hmm. Writing can be such a lonely thing because you're just doing it by yourself most of the time. Did you have people in your life who were around you who knew you were doing this and they could be there to sort of support you and motivate you a little bit? You know, writing wasn't all that lonely for me. And I think it's because of how much research I felt like I had to do. Mm. Even though it's fiction, there's still an aspect of fiction that I felt needed to be believable. And I think that that's a huge part of keeping the writers intrigued. I don't want it to steer too far away from reality. I think that the most exciting part of writing this book was the research. And I think that the people that surrounded me that I was sort of using for info for, you know, my research, they were just as excited about it. And that was that was beautiful. I really liked having that support system and having people be interested in what I'm doing and what I'm trying to create. Hmm. How much would you say that the reading that you do influences what you write? Oh, my God. Probably like I would say about 80 percent of my reading influences my writing. And I hmm. think it's because I'm just when I fall in love with a novel, it's not necessarily the story that I've fallen in love with. It's the writing. It's the way the story was delivered. It was the way the author used the words to keep me latched onto the story. I don't know if that makes much sense, but it made a lot of sense in my head. <laughs> Absolutely. The name of the book is Confident Sensuality. This is written by A. Vandecruz and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for your books. Ashley, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a wonderful time learning about confidence, sensuality, and just a really good time talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a really exciting experience. ABC Grace Scriptures, Volume 1, For Life. This is the new book written by Michael and Tina Linton. It's available through Christian Faith Publishing. I'm really happy to be speaking with co-author Michael Linton right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Michael, thank you for joining me tonight. You are welcome, Corey. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. ABC Grace Scriptures, this is a book for toddlers and children. Can you tell me what this is all about? Well, the book, as you said, is entitled ABC Grace Scriptures, Volume 1 for Life. It teaches children the letters of the alphabet, their sounds, and uses the Word of Christ to teach them how to read while gaining all-important faith lessons. This will help them to believe right and so live right. For example, our first letter, A is for all, in our book, there's a picture representing all the children of the world, and it, it's accompanied by two Bible texts. All the things are possible to the one who is believing, and that's taken from Mark chapter 23, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. 
When parents and teachers go through this book with their children, it encourages discussion, right? And it will allow them to show the children that no matter who they are, boy or girl, or where they are from in the world, once they believe in Jesus and what he says about them, all things are possible. So that's what this book is about. Hmm. Is this the first time you've been involved in writing a book or publishing a book? Yes, it is. Congratulations. How long of a process was this for you? It took about five years from the time we started writing to the time of publishing. And what persuaded you to sit down and actually start writing the book? At the time, our first daughter, Hannah, was three years old, and our son, Luke, was one year old. And we were led by the Holy Spirit to homeschool our children. We definitely wanted to use the Word of Christ to teach them to read. The Word of Christ is the good news of God's unmerited favor towards mankind, and that is the finished work that He did for us on the cross. It really pushed us to, to begin writing this book. And after all the time and work that you put in to writing this book, what was it like when you held that first copy in your hands? Well, it was a time of joy and happiness for us as a family. It was very rewarding seeing the work. And when you think now that you're a published author, uh, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? Knowing that many children in the nation will learn to read is the most fulfilling way that we could ever imagine. This brings us so much joy and reward mm. when we see the book being showcased in so many different sites all around the world. We're now in all the countries, all the continents. It's such a joy. Michael, a lot of our listeners right now are aspiring authors. They have a story or a message that they want the world to hear. What advice could you give these authors? Our advice would be for authors to seek to write his story. Mm. As Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems, and this is what we believe readers are looking for, answers that bring life instead of death. Michael, is there a person in your life who's most inspired you in writing? Our daughter, Hannah, we would say most inspired us. At three years old, she was already loving reading and loving reading the Word of Christ. Luke, while he was one year old, also began showing signs of being very involved and enjoying the entire experience as we read the books to them and as they read the books. We actually wrote the book in three copies before we went to Christian Faith Publishers. We practiced at home. We let the kids read it at home. This was long before it was formally published, and we saw that it really was helping them. And so we would say they really inspired the book to be written. Mm. The name of the book is ABC Grace Scriptures, Volume 1. So what are your plans for the future? Well, since we really received this gospel of grace into our lives, we believe our vision and, and purpose is to show Christ, the Word of Christ, to whoever we meet, to children, to anyone we can. Mm -hmm. So any published work, anything we do, we want to allow others to see Christ because that's where our life will come from. So there are other books that we're writing, so you can expect more seeing Christ, seeing his life, and just being refreshed by him and, and learning at the same time. The name of the book is ABC Grace Scriptures, Volume 1 for Life. This is written by Michael and Tina Linton, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
Well, Michael, thank you again for coming by the show and chatting with me tonight. I had a really great time. Thank you. So did I. Thank you so much, Corey. It's a pleasure. And thank you to your listeners. This book has been described as a heartwarming journey of discovery. It's titled, Is That You, Grandpa? And I'm talking about it now with the author, Christopher L. Martin. Christopher, thank you for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Now, is that you, Grandpa? This is a story about your life, your ancestry. So can you go into that? Surely. It's actually a book about trying to find my mother's father. My mother was uh, born in British, what was British Guiana, and uh, I was too. She was born in 1898 and never knew her father, who was uh, reputed to be a German-Jewish diamond merchant who had come to British, what was then British Guiana, which is in South America, to uh, try to find diamonds. Subsequently, he had an affair with my grandmother, my mother's mother, whose name was Julia, and my mother was born. And he promised my grandmother that if it was a boy, he would take him back to England, which is where he was from, and would educate him, give him his name, and make sure that he was well taken care of. But if it was a girl, all he would do for her would be to uh, provide for her financially, but would not give her his name or take her back to England. So my grandmother thereupon said to him, you can keep your money, thank you, goodbye. And so he left British Guiana around 1899 when my mother was born. So he never knew my mother and my mother never knew him. And the book is an effort, an effort to find who he was. Hmm. How long of a process was this for you to research everything and then get it all together and get published? It uh, lasted about 13 years. I had my brother and sister. My sister's passed away. My brother's still alive. But we all started doing this around 2007. So it's been about 13 years that I've been at it. And it has entailed trips to Europe, primarily to England. One trip to British Guiana, a short-lived trip. But most of the research was done in London. So after all that time, after all that travel, all that hard work, when you got that first copy in your hands, what was that like for you? a large, loud sigh of relief. <laughs> I'm very happy with the product. I think it's very educative about your ancestry, and I firmly believe that people should know about their ancestors and know about where they came from and who their parents, grandparents, etc., were, because it gives them an opportunity to understand who they are and where they came from and that sort of thing. That certainly is very important. Is this the first time you've ever done anything like this, then, when it comes to writing a book or getting something published? It is, yes. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I'm sure it was quite the learning experience for you. What advice would you give now to people looking to do the same thing? I would say if you're looking to find out who your ancestors were, the best people to talk to are your parents, if they're still alive, your grandparents, if they're still alive and uh, to try to find any photographs or whatever, letters, you know, that sort of thing. Try to find those and use that as a starting point. And then if you discover some information that you could enhance by reading books about the people or the places, go to your local library. And if you have to, in my case, I had to go to uh, London to the uh, various libraries and, and uh, to, find, to find information. 
Readers looking to delve into history and into ancestry are going to be interested in this book. It's called Is That You, Grandpa? It's written by Christopher L. Martin, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for your books. Christopher, thank you for joining me again here tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about your book and about everything that went into it. I had a great time chatting. Thank you for having me. The often heated debate between evolutionists and creationists is the focus of the new book by Emmanuel J. Charles. It's titled The Mystery of Two Creations. Emmanuel is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Emmanuel, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Cody. Thanks for having me on. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in The Mystery of Two Creations? Yeah, The Mystery of Two Creations explains the biblical account of creation through scientific evidence. The events that took place in the Earth history that lines up perfectly with the Genesis account of first and second creations. I have concentrated in this book more on scientific evidence that two creations more than theological support found in the Bible. Can you think back to what gave you the idea or the inspiration to write this? Yeah. Actually, we raised our children in faith hmm. with godly character and traits built in them. In our family, honesty, faithfulness, respect to others, and submission to the authority runs deep. At least we thought we did a good job with our children. But once when they left home to college, everything changed in them. When they came back home, they started challenging, questioning the word of God and authority of parents. Mm. Creation was completely rejected by one of my children. And it was replaced with Big Bang, evolution, and others, which they believe was more scientific evidence than biblical creation. Mm. So my wife and I are puzzled with the change of attitude towards Bible and parents. I started my research looking into the school curriculum. You know, I guess I wanted to know what they're teaching. Mm. What I came across was really painful. You know, my children, they went there with the faith, and now they're learning Big Bang and evolution. You know, and completely they were brainwashed in these two items. Many of the things which they're teaching in the school is not right. They don't have any evidence or proof. And they're teaching that life through primordial soup created life. That never happened. So I was thinking, and then I was looking to God, God, this is not right. And there should be some answer in the Bible. I went back to Genesis 1. And which I've read, you know, the account of creation, you know, throughout my life, you know, mm. from my childhood. And later one night when I received the revelation, I came to know exact the biblical account of creation through first and second creation. It sounds like a book that might have taken you a long time to write and publish. Is that the case? How long were you working on this? No, it, it, it took for me, you know, like 45 to 60 days. And I sent it to my friend in Canada to do the proofreading and the editing. So that took another two months. And once when my manuscript was accepted by Christian Faith Publications, you know, it took another six months. So it took from last September till August 18th. In probably 10 months, you know, the book was published. Is this the first time you've ever done anything like this, writing a book and getting it published? 
Yes, yes. This is the first time, you know, I never thought I would be writing the book, you know, uh, it is not my style. But when I came across all the creation, the account, biblical creation of a creation account, and all the scientific evidences, when I placed in, everything lined up. Mm. So that's how, you know, I started writing the book. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product after all that time and hard work. What was it like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Oh, man, I was I was so happy. You know, I was on my knees, actually, thanking the mm. Lord. You know, my heart filled with joy. And I said, thank you, Lord. And uh, then I was holding and I started dedicating my book for the public, you know, so the truth will reign among public in the hearts of the people. Mm. What kinds of readers do you think would be ideal for the mystery of two creations? The mystery of two creation, you know, supersedes all other accounts of creation we have at present. You know, I'm targeting the readers, you know, the mainly I wrote against naturalistic or materialistic evolution that never happened. And also, you know, the theistic evolution, gap theory, day age theory, young and older. The mystery of two creation is unique in the sense it brings many of the scientific evidences lined up with the biblical account of creation. That answers so many questions we have. That's how, you know, when my children came and challenging me, you know, I discovered many things. I started answering him. You know, that's how this book was born. Hmm. The name of the book is The Mystery of Two Creations. It's written by Emmanuel J. Charles, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Emmanuel, thank you again for stopping by the show and chatting with me. I had a really nice time. Yeah, thank you, Corey. Thanks. Thank you very much. You can do away with negative feelings and discouragement. In the pages of Gina Riley's new book, it's called Encouraging Quotes, Hope to Live Your Best Life. I'm really happy to be joined by Gina right now here at the show. Gina, thank you for being here with me. It's my pleasure. How can you tell me what readers are in store for in encouraging quotes, hope to live your best life? With this book, it's going to inspire you. You're going to feel positive and you're going to feel even more positive if you're not at that 100 of feeling positive currently when you begin reading. It's going to impact you in a way where you'll just be encouraged. It's going to just keep you uplifted or it's going to have you become you know, so it's it's a great book. It's mm -hmm. it's not boring. It's not mm -hmm. a boring read. I have pictures in there so that you can feel the positivity, the, the uplifting that it will do for you, as well as be inspired. Oh, we certainly need more of that anymore. Uh, Gina, where'd you get the idea for this? How, how did you get inspired to sit down and put this on paper? Well, being a single mom of two sons, there were times where I needed myself to be uplifted somehow, some way. Mm. So I prayed about it and I kept being inspired. I would wake up in the middle of the night and write a little more, wake up in the middle of the night and just feel a little, just kept myself inspired and motivated and just geared towards uh, just raising the sons that, you know, being a single mom to just be these men of God or mm. just be some strong men that could, you know, help keep the world afloat mm. <laughs> any way that God inspired them or gifted them to do so. That's oh, fantastic. You recognize that need and you're reaching out to address it. Uh, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? I've written in the past, but nothing was ever, never, nothing ever came to fruition. This is the first thing that actually I completed. Hmm. And I thank God that I did because it's definitely needed. It was needed when I started the book, and it's definitely a necessary motivating avenue 
that will help us to continue on the path, whatever that is for each of us. Mm. Was it a long process? Did this take you a long time to put together and get out there? Yes, there was so much information. I just Mm. couldn't collaborate it all in the first book that I wrote. So this particular project took me about two years in between family matters and issues that came up. But I thank God that I finally finished it. And I read it myself often because mm-hmm. it just keeps me so inspired because you're going to have those down times. Uh, you know, the Bible speaks of that. So when that does come, I just pick up the book. And if I don't feel like going through the words, there's always, like I said, some pictures that will keep you just as inspired as the reading material. Well, Gina, I'm sure you know, it's so rewarding to see that finished product after a lot of hard work and a lot of time goes into things. So when you got the first copy of this in your hands, what was that like? I was in tears. I was in tears because I know that God will do anything but fail. And he brought me through it. Our mom passed. My siblings and I have four siblings and myself included makes five. When our mother passed, we were kind of downcast and we didn't know what, and then my father passed. And so we didn't know Mm. what we were going to do. Where were we going to go? Were we going to do a paycheck to paycheck or what were we going to do? We know we had ideas. Our parents did inspire us. They always kept us on the positive path, but things happen in life. So yes, it brought tears and it motivated my um, siblings as well as my nieces and nephews. And God has blessed us to start getting, getting the ball rolling to what we were taught and the way we were raised and to just make it happen. It's called Encouraging Quotes, Hope to Live Your Best Life. It's written by Gina Riley and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick and mortar stores, everywhere you shop for your books. Gina, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time chatting with you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you all. God bless you all. Tending Your Own Garden, The Absolute Necessity of Personal Piety. It's the new book by Dr. Ed Fleming, and he's sitting down with me here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dr. Fleming, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what readers can expect in Tending Your Own Garden? If it's according to my own situation, oftentimes we find either as pastor or as a Christian, we get so busy helping other people that our own hearts kind of get cold and dry. And it's just a recalling and a renewing to the importance of personal holiness. That's really the impetus behind the book. Hmm. What group of readers did you have in mind whenever you were writing this? Well, primarily pastors. I've pastored for more than 50 years, and I know that many times in their visitation and counseling and just being a pastor, you can get really, really busy and think everything is fine. And then all of a sudden, you hit what is often called a wall, and you realize there's something dry in your own heart, and the love and the desire for Christ and the things of God are waning. So that's time to take a step back, and we often call that revival in our lives. And that's what was happening to me. That's what happened to me, which was the beginning of the book. Hmm. Can you think back to where you got the idea or the inspiration to sit down and write this? Yes. In my morning devotions, I was reading through Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 6, I came across. And essentially, in layman's terms, it says that while you're tending everybody else's garden, don't forget your own. Mm. And I was convicted by the Spirit of God at that point in my life that that's what I was doing. I love to be busy and I love to serve, but things needed to be renewed in my own heart. And so as I prayed about that and asked the Spirit of God to forgive me, and I found his forgiveness and joy once again. At the same time, I was asking God for something to teach and train pastors in South Africa the next year. So 
having gotten that idea, I began to research and read and do all of those things and put together a pastor's conference, which I presented in 2018 in South Africa. When I got done with that on Monday night, we had a pastors and wives banquet and they asked me to speak. At the end of that banquet, two men from that Saturday all-day conference came up to me and they said, Pastor Ed, we both are authors. We were there on Saturday. You need to put that into a book. Pastors need to hear that and be encouraged by that. And so I said, well, I've never written a book before, but I'll give it a shot. And so I brought it home, let it sit for a little while. And then in God's providence, COVID hit and I had plenty of time. And I sat down, went through all the material, wrote the book, sent the manuscript into Christian Faith Publishing, and the book was published. Mm. Was that a long process for you, or did things come together pretty quickly? It was tedious. I'd never done that before. I'd prepared sermons for many, many years, but this was a little bit different format. And so it wasn't too difficult overall, but it did take time, probably four, five, six months of that material. Mm. And after that time, whenever you got that first copy in your hands, what was that like for you? Oh, wow. It's like, I really can't believe this. (laughs) I never dreamed that I would be an author. I've always thought it'd be a great thing to do, but this is God's providence from beginning to end. It's not something I sought out to do, and God just brought it together. And when I got finished, I was able to find the publisher, and the Lord has provided that. Congratulations on getting your first book, finding a great publisher. What advice now could you offer to the aspiring authors listening right now who want to get their first one out there, too? If there's some, Charles Spurgeon used to say this to pastors, if there's a text of scripture that won't let you go, preach on it. Mm. And if you've got a thought, a direction, a passion about something, don't give up on it. Sit down, begin to write and think and keep going. And sooner or later, if it's of the Lord, it'll come into a book. Dr. Fleming, have you given any thought to what's next? Maybe writing another book, publishing again? As a matter of fact, I've been collecting uh, materials for the last several months, and I would like to write a book on being prepared for suffering. I'm going to call it something about theology of suffering. In my personal life, I keep up with the persecuted church. Almost every day, I represent Barnabas Aid as a representative in the United States, and I read almost all the time that people who are persecuted, they have found that before the persecution came, their mindset was in such a place that when it did come, it didn't destroy them. And so I want to talk about that to the body of Christ. Don't wait until persecution comes to try to have a theology of suffering, have a theology of suffering beforehand. Hmm. Is the writing process something that comes easy to you, or do you find yourself dealing with things like writer's block often? Well, to be honest with you, it came easy. It took a while, but it came easy. I just, every day I sat down and picked up where I left off and I'd go back and edit it and change things. And overall, it really wasn't a hard process. It was just a long and mentally taxing process. And I encourage our listeners to check it out. It's called Tending Your Own Garden, The Absolute Necessity of Personal Piety. It's written by Dr. Ed Fleming and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Dr. Fleming, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about tending your own garden, and can't wait to see what you do next. My privilege. Thank you so much. Reverend Dr. Gaddis J. Falcon draws on his lifetime of challenges overcome. In his new book, A Winning Generation, And I'm really happy that Gaddis is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gaddis, thank you for being here tonight. Well, thank you so very much. I appreciate this opportunity. I certainly appreciate you chatting. Uh, Can you tell me what readers are in store for with A Winning Generation? 
they're in store for an exciting opportunity to learn about how to reach their full potential, learn how to win, and this winning is defined really best by learning your purpose in life, then pursuing that purpose and not worrying about competition, but completing your personal goals is an exciting opportunity. That's what they're in store for. And and not only that, it is uh, practical and it has in each chapter actual ways that people can pursue winning specifically action steps. Hmm. Gaddis, what sorts of people were you looking to reach with this book? Did you have a certain base of readers that you had in mind? Well, actually, anybody, uh, but primarily it was uh, young people, but anyone who who needs a lifelong learning, (laughs) because today the 18 through 22 cohort in most regions is shrinking, so and I'm an educator, but still, is anyone who wants to uh, learn and to develop their own personal goals to actually learn what they want to do and how to, where they want to go, and then this book will teach them how to get there. Mm. So actually, is anybody, high school students, elementary school students, young, the traditional generation, mm. <laughs> baby boomers, Generation X, everybody actually can learn from this book. And when it comes to writing and, and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? Well, not exactly like this. I, I have a doctorate in uh, higher education and public administration. So you, when I did that, I published my 500-page dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> and I had actually published this book, similar book, before in 2002. This is a republished, re-editing, repurposing the book, actually. So I have done it before. Hmm. I've written many, many things, but primarily this book is, uh, I'm semi-retired. So this is something I plan to do even more, is to write more books. That's wonderful. And when you sit back and you think about when you got to the point where you said, I have to sit down, I have to write this book, what was that situation like? It actually was a situation where I was working with young people. I was an assistant vice president for student affairs at a university. A lot of those young people didn't really believe in themselves. They didn't believe that they, they needed encouragement. For a primary reason, God told me, he said, listen, there are a lot of winners, but people don't really need or know that they are winners. And you have a lot of them right around you right now. So what I want you to do is write a book as opposed to a losing generation, an empowered generation mm-hmm. or an X generation Write a book about how people can win, because I had been reading books like that. Prepare my dissertation, the imperial generation, the X generation, the lost generation. And so God says, listen, I want you to write the opposite of that, a winning generation. And that's actually how I, I had to do it. I sat down and I started to do it as I was finishing the dissertation. Mm. And this is the result of it today. You were talking about writing more and you had more ideas. Are they going to be in this vein or are you looking to expand on other topics? It's going to be in this vein, but uh, it also be a leadership, mm. different types of leadership styles, just leadership in general. Because leadership, as many have said, leadership is best defined as influence or the ability to get people to pursue a goal on their own. Can't take the whip to them, but you have to influence them. So uh, I've had a lot, uh, many leadership positions, and I, I've learned a lot about leadership. So I probably will write a book about leadership. That will be my next book leadership. And specifically, I don't know the title of it yet, but I've been thinking about it for years. 
Hmm. I think that's a really important topic to be discussed because to me it seems like really strong leadership that has strong vision and, and focus, it, it seems to be more and more rare anymore. You know, what research says real leadership is very, rare, hard to find and hard to keep once you find it, hmm. but it is what you said. A leader must be a visionary. He must be able to establish that, a vision, communicate that vision, and then get people to buy into that vision, mm. to help to carry that vision out because the leader can't really do it by themselves. So the leader must be able to do exactly what you said, establish a vision, and then get all the management components and everything else in place. But it really would be done by people. So empowering people. But leadership is best defined as by example. Mm. People read you and see you. That's one of the primary components of leadership, if you ask me, or tenets of leadership, is by example. Then a leader needs to be innovative. The leader has to be able to solve problems. A leader be able to do that knowing that they cannot do it by themselves. That's some great wisdom there, Gaddis. And readers are in store for a lot more wisdom in the book, A Winning Generation. Of course, written by Reverend Dr. Gaddis J. Falcon, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Gaddis, thank you again for coming on the show with me. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much. The pleasure actually was all mine. I appreciate this great opportunity. The book I have in my hands right now is titled Bill, and the author is named Bill, and I'm speaking with Bill right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Bill, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me what your book, Bill, is all about? Well, originally it was about me and my life from birth to 79 years old, and I wrote it with the intent of having an income for my son born on my birthday in his future. How long were you working on this? About a year. And when it comes to writing a book and publishing, have you ever been involved in doing anything like this before? First time author. Congratulations on that. What was the most challenging part about the entire thing? Uh, well, actually, when I sat down and started writing it, it wasn't challenging because it was my life story and I lived it, so I knew it. And what advice now would you have for the aspiring authors listening to us right now? Uh, all I can say is go with what you got, use your imagination, and uh, do the best you can. And looking down the road, have you given any thought to writing another book and getting more published? Well, of course I have not. I am an established author, and I do have a publishing company. Yeah, of course. When you were writing this, what sort of a target readership did you have in mind? I, I come from a broken family, and that was the intent that anybody in my situation, or just any person that can go through life and do what they can do to improve their way in life. And I came from a broken family, so being born in this great nation that we have, I could go or do what I wanted with the freedom we have. That was, I found out to be the intent of the book in reality, not just my life, but what I did with my life and in this great country where I could go with the freedom we have. Bill, throughout your entire life, you've been met with so many challenges and you've managed to overcome those challenges. What did you do? How did you overcome this all? Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. Audie Murphy, America's Home Secretary Soldier, World War II. I found him when I was eight years old in the movie Sierra, Universal Productions, and I adopted him as my uh, idol, so to speak. I had a brother five years older than me. We never got along. 
And my father committed suicide when I was eight mu- or 11 months old. Mm-hmm. Mom never remarried, and I found Audie Murphy and hung on to him, and he inspired me. And I chose to go his way of life, do the best you can, and live the life to the fullest. Mm. Often when you're driven to write, you also have a passion for reading. What kind of a reader are you? I'm an NRA life member, Illinois State Rifle Association member, and I read the NRA magazine, gun magazines, and car magazines. But as far as reading novels or something like that, very seldom. And what would you say now that you have a published book out there? You're a published author. When you think of that, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? Well, a high school dropout, never finished high school, seventh grade, actually. Accomplishing this at my late, later years in life, to think that you know, I can actually do this, I submitted it to Christian Faith Publishing, and they saw fit to publish it. There was no redo this, redo that. They accepted it mostly as it was. So that gave me confidence that, yeah, I can be a writer. I, I never had it edited, so to speak, um, numerous times. So, yeah, that was quite an inspiration. Hmm. And can you tell me about the cover and how that was developed? That's my idea. White background was Leslie Fox's idea. And then my idea was the black bust with the uh, bill over the right shoulder in capital letters. And being in show business as I was for 34 years, I attended Blue Film Scroll over Bill's head. And also over that is from Illinois to Hollywood to get the attention of anyone that might be interested in going to Hollywood. Bill, we certainly appreciate you using what you've gone through in your life, all the challenges that you've overcome to help others. The name of the book is Bill. The author is Bill, and this is published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Bill, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a great time learning about you, about your book, your life, your son, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Oh, it was a pleasure, believe me. Thank you. This book says it will take readers on the ride of a lifetime. It's by T.C. Husfar, and it's titled Soul Train. I'm really happy to be speaking with the author, Teresa, right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about Soul Train? Soul Train is a book where you are following a character who is a 17-year-old kid, and you are following him when he wakes up at a train station one day and decides to get on a train and realizes that the train actually leads to different aspects of the afterlife. So you get to follow him on his journey of going through heaven and hell and everything in between. Hmm. Where did you get the idea for this? The idea kind of came from the fact that I was going through a really dark time in my own life. Hmm. So I was thinking a lot about how the afterlife would work. And I've always loved the idea of different entities taking you off into the afterlife. So I was like, well, why not train? Teresa, can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind Joshua, the main character? Joshua, I wanted him to be a character that had a ton of anxiety and a ton of depression that he had to deal with on his own personal level. Because that was kind of a character that based off of me. Hmm. And how long did it take you to write this? It took me roughly a year and a half to write it in total. Oh, have you ever done anything like this when it comes to writing a book or publishing before? I've never published before. I used to write a ton of short story sequences on different websites. So I had an idea of how to write, just never thought I could actually get anything published until now. How did it feel when you got that first copy in your hands then? 
well, personally, I freaked out like in a very great way. <laughs> and I was calling everybody. I made sure that everyone from my army unit to my best friends was able to tell them like, hey, I have a book. Mm. Guess what you're buying in the next six months? <laughs> what kinds of readers do you think would really be into Soul Train? In my personal opinion, a lot of people that like fantasy and young adult fiction, I think they would be like huge fans of it. And looking down the road, have you thought maybe about a sequel to this or writing another kind of book? There actually is a prequel that a lot of my friends have been pushing me to write involving the train conductor. So that's a book that's actually in the works. And there's also a different story that I've been writing, too. And now you're a published author. When you think about that, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? The most rewarding, the fact that I never thought I could do this. Mm. So a lot of people in my own life said it would never work out to be an author to try and publish because it is a very hard thing to do. So it just was a really great minute for me to say, ha, did it. <laughs> it is certainly a hard thing to do. So what advice could you give to aspiring authors now? Make sure that it's a story that you want to write and not a story that you're writing just because you think you can do it. While you're writing, is it an easy thing for you or do you encounter speed bumps like writer's block and things like that? Me personally, I like to just throw myself into the setting and then watch everything go on around me. So it's like a movie that's constantly playing. So I never normally have writer's block because from beginning to end, I can picture an entire scenario. Hmm. The kind of fiction that we have here in Soul Train, is that what you find yourself drawn to when you want to find something to read? I honestly will read anything. So I can read anything from like nonfiction, quantum physics, all the way to the fantasy section of Game of Thrones. So I like to read everything. Mm. Again, it's such a difficult process to write a book and have it published. Were there people around you in your life who knew that you were taking this on and could be there for support or encouragement? I didn't actually tell anybody I was doing this. I think the closest person was my girlfriend and my best friend. And the only reason they knew about it was because they saw me with the laptop open on a constant basis. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Soul Train. It's written by T.C. Husvar, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you buy books. Teresa, thanks for stopping by the show again. I had a great time talking with you. Well, thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 